Presently there came a great rattling of chains and bolts, and the door was cautiously opened and shut to again behind me as soon as I had passed. Go into the kitchen and touch nothing, said the voice, and while the person of the house set himself to replacing the defences of the door, I groped my way forward and entered the kitchen. The fire had burned up fairly bright and showed me the barest room I think I ever put my eyes on. Half a dozen dishes stood upon the shelves. The table was laid for supper with a bowl of porridge, a horn spoon, and a cup of small beer. Besides what I have named, there was not another thing in that great stone-vaulted empty chamber but lockfast chests arranged along the wall and a corner cupboard with a padlock. As soon as the last chain was up, the man rejoined me. He was a mean, stooping, narrow-shouldered, clay-faced creature, and his age might have been anything between fifty and seventy. His nightcap was a flannel, and so was the nightgown that he wore, instead of coat and waistcoat, over his ragged shirt. He was long unshaved, but what most distressed, and even daunted me, he would neither take his eyes away from me nor look me fairly in the face. What he was, whether by trade or birth, was more than I could fathom, but he seemed most like an old, unprofitable serving-man who should have been left in charge of that big house upon board wages. "'Are you a sharp set?' he asked, glancing at about the level of my knee. "'You can eat that drop porridge?' I said I feared it was his own supper. "'Oh,' said he, "'I can do fine wanting it. I'll take the ale, though, for it slockens my cough.' He drank the cup about half out, still keeping an eye upon me as he drank, and then suddenly held out his hand. "'Let's see the letter,' said he. I told him the letter was for Mr. Balfour, not for him. "'And who do you think I am?' says he. "'Give me Alexander's letter.' "'You know my father's name?' "'It would be strange if I didn't,' he returned, "'for he was my born brother.' And little as you seem to like either me or my house, or my good parrotch, I'm your born Uncle Davy, my man, and you my born nephew, so give us the letter, and sit down and fill your kite. If I'd been some years younger, what with shame, weariness, and disappointment, I believe I'd burst into tears. As it was, I could find no words, neither black nor white, but handed him the letter— and sat down to the porridge with as little appetite for meat as ever a young man had. Meanwhile, my uncle, stooping over the fire, turned the letter over and over in his hands. "'Do you ken what's in it?' he asked suddenly. "'You see for yourself, sir,' said I, "'that the seal has not been broken.' "'Aye,' said he. "'But what brought you here?' "'To give the letter,' said I. "'No.' says he cunningly, but you'll have had some hopes, Nedoot. I confess, sir, said I, when I was told that I had kinsfolk well to do, I did indeed indulge the hope that they might help me in my life. But I'm no beggar. I look for no favours at your hands, and I want none that are not freely given. For, as poor as I appear, I have friends of my own that will be blithe to help me. Hoot toot, said Uncle Ebenezer. Then they fly up in the snuff at me. We'll agree fine yet. And, Davy, my man, if you're done with that bit porridge, I could just take a sup of it myself. Aye, he continued, as soon as he had ousted me from the stool and spoon. I'll fine hail some food, 
Her grand food porridge. He murmured a little grace to himself and fell too. Your father was very fond of his meat, I mind. He was a hearty, if not a great, eater, but as for me, I could never do more than pike it food. He took a pull at the small beer, which probably reminded him of hospitable duties, for his next speech ran thus. If you're dry, you'll find water behind the door. To this I returned no answer, standing stiffly on my two feet and looking down upon my uncle with a mighty angry heart.